Yo, 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 Voyagers. It's episode 33 of the Not So Bon Voyage podcast. Oh, and on this episode, we're talking about a couple that goes to Mexico and gets kidnapped and a local phone thief in Papua New Guinea who gets some local justice. Grab your popcorn. Let's go. And then the train got lost. How does the train get lost when it's on rails? I just want to get out there in the wild. Well, it was in the itinerary. I mean, adventure, it's calling. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been excellent. Did you catch that article in the New Yorker about aviation law? Yes, it was a crossover of avian and aviation law, right? Yeah, interesting stuff. I, oh. I feel like that's where our uh, intersection, our expertise lies. Absolutely. Oh, hey, guys. Uh, welcome back to the Not So Bon Voyage podcast. We were just catching up on aviation law, boring stuff like that. Not to worry about that. It's episode 32 or 33. It's episode 33. Wow. I've got episode 32 on my list, but it's actually episode 33. Welcome back to another amazing episode. Got some awesome stuff to jump into today. Yes, I I am your host, Christine. Oh, if we're introducing ourselves, I'm your co-host, Jules. And today we're doing things a little bit differently, not super differently, but we have decided to separate our stories. So every Monday we're still putting out stories that we tell. But instead of us both telling a story on Mondays, we're going to switch off. So this week, I am telling a story, and then next Monday, Jules is going to tell a story. That's right. Last week on Monday, I told a very long story, so I need a break. It went on and on. It went on and on. No, No, just kidding. It was really good. It was a really interesting story about John Allen Chow, who is the Christian missionary who ended up going to try and convert the most unconvertible people in the world, and he ended up dying. Spoiler alert. Okay, spoiler alert. If you haven't listened, go back and listen. But I mean, yeah, that did happen. It was a really good episode. And so just we want to jump into a couple of updates really quickly before we get into... I've got a Voyager story today that's been sent in from a listener and someone who hit us up on the gram. So that's really cool. Really excited to show that and share that. Uh, Before we do that, I just want to say, have you, Voyagers, listened to our new series that we launched on Thursday called Voyager Chat? Have you? Have you? Listen up. We launched, we're, we're doubling up. We're doing two episodes a week now. Monday is going to be our normal show, just like you're listening to now. It's going to be Christine and I telling stories to each other. Everything's going to be fine and dandy. We're going to do in the news. We're going to do Voyager stories. We're going to do crazy in-depth stories where we tell each other and <gasps> hear the reactions. But Thursday is going to be a very special series because we wanted to level up and give you guys some extra content. Thursday is our Voyager chat series. Last week, we talked to a 10-year journalist called Michael Hilliard who had some crazy stories. He has reported from a number of war zones over the years. He talked about drinking with the Taliban, having the Russian mafia pull a gun on him, doing a drunken toast in Kyrgyzstan, um, getting shot at in Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan. He has all these crazy stories about life on the road as a journalist and especially going to some of the hairier places around the world. It was a very interesting article. It was not an article. It It was an episode. But you guys, we kicked off our first series of the Voyager Chats with a freaking bang. Bang. Michael Hilliard was an insane guest. His stories were so crazy. You have to go back and listen to our first Voyager Chat. It's in the Not So Bon Voyage feed, wherever you get your podcasts, all that good stuff. And we're going to do that every Thursday with a new traveler. So if you want to come on, if you feel like you have a crazy story to tell or multiple stories and you want to tell on air and you're good at talking then and your voice isn't super annoying, then come on. There's a lot of boxes to tick right there. 
But we are excited to – we've got one coming up this Thursday where we talk to a fellow travel blogger called Jeremy, and he talks about some crazy, funny stories, and he also gets super deep where he talks about his life traveling with Lyme disease. So it's a really interesting perspective to hear about how that has challenged and affected his life and his travel journeys. So yeah, Voyager Chats on Thursday, something extra special to get excited about with the Not So Bon Voyage podcast. Woo! Okay, second update. I want to give a special shout out. And now, I don't want to play favorites, but I do want to give a special shout out to Belgium and the Netherlands for some serious love last week. Serious love. We had some crazy numbers. We had our best download days by like double. We killed it last week. Oh, yeah. So I want to thank all the Voyagers for doing that because all of you guys made that happen. But for some reason in Belgium and the Netherlands, we must have been on some kind of list. I don't know what happened, (laughs) but it just kicked off. So thank you so much. Keep that love going. Let's see who can be the biggest and the most Voyager country. Yeah, we'll shout out different countries. So get your rally your troops, get your people together, listen in from your country, and we'll give you guys a shout out. But thank you to Belgium and the Netherlands. I wish I had learned how to say thank you in those languages. That would have been really good. That would have been dope. But thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Moving on to our our appetizer for today. I was going to say our. We have an appetizer. We have an appetizer. A sponsor? Uh, No, no sponsors yet. We're going sponsor free since two (laughs) thousand and three. And my, I'm telling a Voyager story today because let's be honest, there's not much in the news, and there's not much happening in the news that's new, and. If the things that are in the news are just not that interesting. Yes, that's they're, true. They're well, not- they're, I mean, they're important, but they're all coronavirus. There's no travel in the news, There's no travel in the news at the moment. So uh, I'm going, I'm digging into the archives and I'm jumping out with a Voyager story today that comes in from Kez. Now, Kez hit us up over, uh, she must have heard, she must be a listener. So thank you very much, Kez. You're a Voyager. Welcome to the club. First you, class. First class. And she went to notsobonvoyage.com slash submit and she submitted a couple of stories and I picked this one because I thought it was a it was a very funny one and it was also very interesting. So here we go. Kez is an adventure traveler. She is she writes about her travels over at K in Motion, and I put a link to this in the show notes. She's been to over 90 countries and she's Damn. had a number of things go wrong along the way. So she's a real adventurer. She likes to get off the beaten track. A lot of her stories were places like in the middle of nowhere. So she she gets out and about. Today's story takes us to Papua New Guinea. And a little quick geography question, Christine, where is Papua New Guinea? I've only ever been to Mama New Guinea because I support the matriarchy, but I don't know where that is. Okay, well, it's Papua. Oh, Papua? Papua uh, New Mama. Guinea. Have you ever heard of that country? Yes, of course I have heard of that. If I believe do it's in South America. Mm, no? No. Oh, what am I thinking of? There's definitely a Guinea. Isn't there a Guinea in South Are you America? thinking of French, like... French Guinea? Yeah. Oh, that's what I'm thinking of. Okay, Papua New Guinea. I'm going to say it's an island in the Polynesia, like Australasia, Oceania okay. situation. Okay, you're getting much closer now. Papua okay. New Guinea is just above Australia. Oh, yes. I probably should know that. Yes, and it is... Uh, it is part of an island on the left-hand side is Indonesia and on the right is Papua New Guinea. So you're saying it's right in between two countries where I spend a lot of my time. Yes, you should definitely know where it is. Okay, I'm going to have to get a map out and put 
put that on the map. Put a pin in it. <laughs> put a pin in the map. Okay, so at the time, Kez was in Papua, Papua New Guinea, and she was traveling in Port Moresby, which is the capital. So Kez is exploring Port Moresby, and she's out and about, and a local teenager hoodwinked her and snatched <gasps> her phone. No, not a hoodwinker. Uh, hoodwinker. Oh, a real hoodwinker. Hoodwinkers. While she's distracted by, I don't know if she was waiting for a bus or if a bus was arriving or something, but she says she got distracted by a bus arriving because they're very distracting. I mean, they're loud, they're proud, they're very big. They want to be heard (laughs) in life. So a bus is arriving and it's like, hey, hey, look at me, excuse me. God, buses are so show-offy, aren't they? It's like, settle down, bus. I mean, to be fair, uh, trains and planes and automobiles. In general. They've had all... All the pro- promotion, all the publicity over the years. I mean, planes, Seriously. trains, and automobiles. I John think Candy. That, John Candy? John Candy. I yeah. think that buses needed better PR team because they're not getting the, the – they're just having to, you know, put shout it from the rooftops, but they need some digital marketing efforts or yeah, something. Yeah, Seriously. So a bus arrives, it makes itself known that it's arriving. Yes. And while Kez is distracted by this bus basically showing off, this local guy, local boy, he runs up, grabs her phone, and bolts off down the road. So she runs after him. She's yelling at him to stop at the top of her voice, but the boy's too quick and away he goes into the community and he's never seen again. No. So away <laughs> he goes. And so he disappears into the streets and Kez is left thinking, well, there goes my phone. Mm. And as she's standing around, probably pretty annoyed, pissed off, an elder from the community shows up and she, he starts speaking to her and he says, he tells Kez he saw the boy who was running away and knows who he is. Ooh. He tells Kez that he will get her phone back for her, but asks of her to not go to the police and to give him one day to sort it out. So this okay. is like a, one of those little community justice type things, like don't go to the police. I know who the boy is. I'll sort it out for you. Everything will work out all right. Nice. So she says, okay. She's like, well, I mean, I might as well go for this. So she says, she tells the man, I'll wait. What other options does she have? She figures that this is probably the best way to get it done. So she does not get on the, the bus that's trying to get her attention. No, the bus just was basically like, I'm here. I'm, I'm here, here now. I'm here. I'm it. not going anywhere. I'm loud and proud. I'm here. I'm queer. And the bus is, you <laughs> know what? Chilling. The gays need to get behind the bus movement. Oh, yeah. The bu- gay buses. A big gay bus tour. That would be cool would with be a so beautiful good. big rainbow on it. Yeah, I'm liking this. I like it. All right, we've got to connect those. Connect the dots. Connect the dots. Okay, so the a day goes by, Kez doesn't get her phone back. So she thinks, okay, well, I'll just go to the police station now. So she goes to the police station and she makes a report. The police drive her out to the boy's home, but he's not there. They spoke to the boy's family and the family were really annoyed that this had happened because they said it wasn't the first time that the boy had stolen something. And so they were very angry at the boy. He's a serial hoodwinker. He's a hoodwinker. So they were angry at the boy for doing this and they were thinking, it's not very good. We're not very happy. (laughs) Thinking once again that the phone was probably lost cause. The next day, Kez gets a call from the police and she's told that they found her phone in a black market. (gasps) Ooh. Yeah. And they made a couple of arrests for people that were running the black market. This is some efficient police work. Whoa, this goes deep. This goes this deep. This goes straight to the top. I Maybe. Think the president's involved. <laughs> Probably. So Kez goes to the police station to collect her phone. And when she's there, the police tell her that the mother of the boy wants to have a chat with her. Uh-oh, Mama Hoodwinker. Mama Hoodwinker. She's Mrs. thinking, want to have a chat with her. 
So once again, the police take her out, Kez out to the boy's house so the mum can have a chat with her. And the mum is really apologetic. She feels super bad about Aww. what's going on and she feels bad that her son's hiding out. So what she actually does is she volunteers to have herself arrested and taken to jail to bring her son out of hiding. What the hell? So she thinks... <laughs> This is a weird. So she's maybe it's one of those community saving face type things where she feels really bad that the boy has created this reputation or something. But basically, the family's thinking that they are not happy that the boy's doing this. It's not the first time he's done this. He needs to be apprehended. He needs to be punished. I don't know taught what they're thinking. Lesson. Taught a lesson. So the mum volunteers herself as maybe it's like bait, trade bait. Oh. Jailbait? Jailbait, well, maybe. <laughs> so the mum says, I will go in his place. And then word down the grapevine gets back to the son, and then the son later that afternoon turns in himself in mm. and was arrested for stealing the phone. Wow. How old was the son, did, did it say? It says boy, so I'm mm. assuming like a teenager, mm -hmm. maybe around that rebellious age, like 13 to 16-ish. The hoodwink age. The hoodwinking age, yeah. Mm. Now, is that not some of the most efficient police work going around? That is extremely efficient. I like the uh, community and police collaboration that went on. How do you think that would go down if it was in Melbourne or San Francisco? Uh, you would never get your phone back. I mean, I've had my phone stolen in San Francisco. I don't, I don't think the police will even take that report. They don't care. A phone? <laughs> yeah, seriously, they have way bigger fish to fry. I got pepper sprayed on a bus one time, and I asked them if they were going to test it because I didn't know what like what this guy had it, shot off into the bus. Maybe it was anthrax. I mean, who knows? It could have been chemical warfare. And I asked the police people if they were going to test the chemical agent because they apprehended the guy, and they laughed at me. So they don't care. Mm, I mean, that seems like a funny thing, though. I mean, it could have been... a poison yeah maybe mm, we all could have dropped dead yeah so anyway i thought that was a i thought that was an interesting story because i think that it often in now papua new guinea i don't know a lot about but i'm assuming it's not a super modern developed mm. country mm -hmm. and often we have these assumptions about certain authority and police forces and things like that and i thought that this was a really good st story to show a very different side to that. That is nice. Yeah, it's not. We always think about like corruption, and you're they don't care. They're lazy, or they're you know you're not going to get your stuff back when it's stolen. But yeah, that they did a great job. Yeah. So I just wanted to give a shout out to all the pairs, and also to <laughs> Papua New Guinea. Yeah, the Papua New Guinea police force that's cracking down on the black market. Yeah, love so it. Good on them. Good and on yeah, them. so and I also wanted to thank Kez once again from K in Motion. For submitting our story, uh, yeah, remember Voyages, if you want your story shared on the podcast, all you need to head over do is head over to notsobonvoyage.com slash submit, or you can hit us up on Instagram at notsobonvoyage. Tell us you've got a story. We'll tell you if it's good enough for the show. <laughs> and if it is, hey, 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 we make hey, magic hey, happen. Hey, hey. We make magic happen. Bada bing, bada boom. Bada bing, bada boom. Love it. That was a great story. So I have a very quick in the news. Last week, you asked me for an update on my South Africans that were traveling in the Maldives who were stuck in the Maldives on their honeymoon. I did, I did. And had the entire resort to themselves, and they could not leave because of the quarantine. So they have made it safely back to South Africa. Woohoo! 
How'd you find this out? I Googled it. Oh, there and you go. I found a news article. So after 21 days in the Maldives, Olivia and Raul made it home while they made it to a government quarantine facility in South Africa. So they're on home soil, but they didn't make it back to their house They didn't yet. want to stay in the Maldives? They did not want to stay in the Maldives because they weren't sure. They were at like a $750 a night hotel. Yeah, that's fair enough. I feel like you'd want to get home as well. And they said that there would be some government to help aid in helping them pay for that, but they weren't sure how much. So they ended up having to take a private charter back to... Oh, they did do that in the end. Yeah, with uh, 40-plus South African and Mauritian tourists that were stranded in the Maldives. So the charter cost 104 grand, Ooh. but it was divided among the passengers. So if you do the math and you carry the four and then we you go. divide we go. by the one with the with the zeros at the end, it's probably something like 25 grand each. Not 25 grand, 2,500. Two That's probably actually right spot on. Right? Thank you. Math genius over here. How much? A hundred thousand, we'll just say a hundred grand divided by 40. Is it 2,500? It's exactly 2,500. Oh, yes. Who is the queen of math now? Definitely not you, but you got that one right. So I'll give it to you. I did get one right. We had to celebrate our small wins. We do. And in these times, everything's a win. So they had, well, not, I guess it wasn't a win for them because they had to pay $2,500 to get home. That's true. And they probably still had their other plane tickets. Probably won't get that money back. Mm-mm-mm. So, but they're home. They're good. Just wanted everybody to I can to sleep know. easy tonight now. Yeah. I know we we're all really worried about the couple that was stuck in the Maldives. That was like top of our brain, how they were doing. Cool. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting stuff. I forgot to say, I, I, I'll, maybe if I remember later on in the episode, I forgot to give an update on where Bird is. Oh, yeah. Bert, Bert? our sailing guy. I don't know where he is. Hmm. I'm actually not sure. I don't know where he's been, where he's going, but Where's that's Ernie? okay. All right, you keep going. Okay, so this is my main story for the week. So this is a story I actually thought about doing when we first started this podcast, but it is a very not-so-bon voyage in Mexico, and this was about the time that we were planning our wedding in Mexico, so I didn't want to scare off all of our guests before they came down. That not, is a smart move. Not that 95% of our friends and family even listen to this podcast, but whatever. Here we are. Well, we get, we get quite a few listeners from friends and family, but... I would say 95% of our wedding probably doesn't listen. Yeah. But may, maybe maybe 20% listen. I don't yeah, know. We had a small wedding. So this is the story of Jennifer and Frank Masabki. They are a Floridan couple... Who got engaged in early? Is that Floridian? Floridian. Does that mean Flo they're Florida? They're from Florida. They work with Florida in Florida. Okay, probably. I'm going to guess that. They are a couple from Florida. They got engaged in early 2017. Okay. And they were much faster in scoping out wedding venues because in May of that same year, much faster than us. We were very slow in we getting. Were very slow. Did getting we get engaged organized. in 2017 as well? We did get engaged in 2017, early 2017. Yeah. And they were planning their wedding for later that year. Well, that's just that's just crazy. That is a quick turnaround time. Well, we didn't get married until two years after that, like two and a half years. Yeah. So November 2019. 
Two and a half year engagement. That's all right. We had things to do. Yeah, we had things to do. We got people to see. We got places to go. Hey, man. Don't judge us. Yeah, don't try and stop us. Don't try and hold us down. Yeah, don't hold us down. So they got engaged in 2017. And then in May of that year, they decided to travel to Mexico to scope out wedding venues. Mexico, great place to get married. Straight onto it. We had an amazing wedding in Sayulita. And it was everything I could ever hope it to be. And me as well. And Jules was there too. (laughs) So... They rented a car in Mexico City and started driving to Puebla to see some venues. That is a very nice place. It is a very nice small smaller it is town. A Pueblo Mexico. Magic town. It is a magical village. Like actually, it's part of their program. So Puebla is about two hours from DFA, as the locals call Mexico City. Oh, you want to be a local called the FM. The FA. So they are driving about two hours away from Mexico City. Do you know what DFA stands for? District feder- Federal? Yeah. Like Federal District? Yeah. Distri- Districto Federal? I'm impressed. Thank you. So they've been driving around for about an hour when they get rear-ended. Oh, okay. okay? I thought it was going to be maybe a pop tire because it was, it was quite the bang that you produced. Wouldn't, if you get rear-ended, wouldn't there be a bang? Yeah. Maybe so they get rear-ended, however it sounded, and we're not a well, they're in the sound car. effects podcast. They're in the car, I'm They're sure. in the car, yeah. yeah. How would they get rear-ended not in the car? Mm. Mm, they're in the car. So Frank pulls over and gets out of the car to inspect the damage. Immediately, five men get out of the other car and run towards him. They pull out a they're gun. They're very concerned about the accident. Yeah. They pull out a gun. This is the people that hit them. They pull out a gun. Put him up against the back of the car. So his first thought is... And then rear-end him. And then then his first thought is, Jen's in the car. What's going to happen to Jen? So Jen's his fiance. So Jennifer's watching in horror as these five men put him up against the back of their rental car, gun to the head. Uh Uh-oh. They put a hood on his head. Oh, wow. Throw him in the backseat of his rental car. So there, then two men get into their rental car and start driving. Anytime Frank, where's she? Is she still in? She's the car? in the car. Okay. So mm. they're both in the car, held at gunpoint. Anytime Frank tries to say something, they hit him with the gun. So Frank and Jen speak you Spanish. Think that you would learn to not say anything pretty quickly. Then you, I he probably did. So Frank and hi, Jen, hi bang, hi bang. <laughs> I don't Something think he say. was saying hi. Okay, hola. I think he was saying, talking to Jen and being like, it's okay, don't worry, like trying to calm her down. Yep. So they speak Spanish and English, but the kidnappers are speaking Spanish to them the whole time. They also tell the couple that if they, they speak English to each other, they're going to be killed. So it's okay. not like they can do any sneaky, like we've been in situations where we've like been in a foreign country and we're like, we're going to speak English to each other because they don't speak English. Or we've been in Asia and spoken Spanish to each other because they probably don't speak Spanish. And that's like a sneaky communication. And then you find out that that 90-year-old guy making pad thai in Costan Road is actually a fluent Spanish speaker. And next thing you know, he's like, hey. He's part Guatemalan. I gotcha. <laughs> he's like, hola, bitches. So they basically tell Frank, if he moves, I'm going to kill you and then kill her. So these kidnappers are not messing around. This is serious stuff. They demand that they remove all their jewelry and hand it over. 
So at this point, Frank is thinking they're probably just going to steal their luggage, their computers and phones and leave the couple on the side of the road. And not kill them. And not kill them. That's probably the best case scenario, right? Like, why would these kidnappers want to keep them? And And they just want their shit, right? But the couple becomes more worried when they're driven to a remote location, they're turned off on a dirt road and they start driving out to the mountains. Dun, dun, dun. So then they're starting to think, okay, well, this is. Does she have a hood on? I don't think she has a but hood he's, on. But he's got something over his head. Yeah, so he can't see. Okay. They're taken out of the car and forced to climb a mountain with two of the kidnappers. I said that weird. Climb a mountain. (laughs) And now you shall be forced to climb this mountain. (laughs) If you can climb this mountain, we'll let you go. I'd be like, no, I can't climb that mountain. Christine's like, I've had a good life. It's time to end me now. I hate hiking and I refuse to do it. I don't hate hiking. I just hate going really fast up a mountain. Like, let me take my time. But they're being held at gunpoint. So they probably are very quick. So Christine, I feel like you'd still be... I'd be a goner. So they're forced to climb this mountain with two of the kidnappers. The other kidnappers drive off in their rental car and go somewhere else. So at this point, they're on a mountain or near a mountain or something. The kidnappers tell them to hug each other, like tell the couple to Mm. hug each other. So at that point, they think it's like probably going to be the end. But then they take a shoelace off Frank's sneakers and bound his hands in front of him. One of the men tells Jennifer in Spanish, this is going to get a lot worse for you, which is like very bone chilling as a woman, as a woman, especially. And just in general, like that, that's freaking scary. I mean, it's a pretty intense thing to say to someone in general. Yeah. I don't know what the point of telling somebody that is. And I guess it's the fear element. You want them to submit and, you know, I don't yeah. know. It's a power trip. It's, it's, a, power, it's a power move. It's a, definitely, oh, it's definitely a power move. That is a big power move. So at this point, the couple knows it's not just about getting their luggage and then piecing out. The men tell them that they're going to be held for ransom and demand to know who they should call in America to get the ransom of the states. Mm. Yeah. Who would you call? Um, I don't know. Well, I get. I would call my mother because she would immediately wire every single penny she ever had and ever will have. I'm sure she'd go door to door and get I would everything. call Barack Obama. Oh, okay. Well, definitely don't call Trump because he's not getting that, he's getting not, you out of that. He's not helping you. He's not helping you. This line has been disconnected. <laughs> Insufficient like, funds. He's like, oh, we're breaking up. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Get <laughs> So the couple is held hostage for a few hours. They're beaten, I'm not going to lie. But the girl is not going down without a fight. Good on her. What's her name again? Jennifer. Good on you, Jennifer. What's his name? Frank. Frank. Jennifer and Frank. So they're pretty dope. So the men try to sexually assault her three different times, Uh, and she's able to fight them off each time. Good on you. So fucking you go, Jennifer. You go, girl. dope as shit. So at one point, they separate Frank and Jennifer. One kidnapper is with Frank. One kidnapper is with Jennifer. Jennifer thinks, this is it. She gets down on the ground and starts praying. She says, God, I need a miracle right now. At that second, the kidnapper, who is with her, puts down his gun and Jennifer grabs it. Oh, 
The man, she a badass. She's a freaking. So she's badass. got no hood on and she's not bound. She is not bound. She's That's free. correct. And she's don't fuck. But the story her. is not over. Oh, here we go. Strapping guys. Okay, so the kidnapper jumps on her back and tries to get the gun away from her. So they're like wrestling to get this weapon. He starts choking her from. Sounds behind. like a movie. It sounds like a movie. This is unbelievable. So the man starts choking her from behind, and she remembers starting to see her body convulsing. And she's like, this is not good. Frank hears the commotion and thinks that Jen is trying to escape and like that she's running. So he figures if he starts running, that they can confuse the kidnappers and hopefully one of them can outrun them to go get help. Yeah, I mean, I don't like know. Yeah, I don't know where you're going to go if you're on the top of a mountain, but anyway. So he just bolts. Even though he's got his hands tied, he just, you know, runs. Meanwhile, the other kidnapper is now with her. So she's wrestling two guys trying to get this gun. One of them punches her in the face and the kidnappers get the gun back. Okay. Cuz I guess ideally they don't want to kill them. If they're trying to hold them for ransom, right. and if they're dead, there's they've got no use for them. Right. But also, if they try to escape, then they probably do want them dead so they don't come back and, and say, those are the guys that kidnapped me. A hundred percent. If you've gone that far to kidnap two American tourists, I feel like shooting them to dispose of the evidence is probably the least of your worries. Right. I- exactly. And they obviously have a bit of a crew helping them out. So, you know, they can, they probably have resources. Mm-hmm. They're resourceful. Wow. And this is in 2017. This is in 2017. It's not even like, because you, know, you used to hear about these stories in Latin America, various countries, Colombia and Mexico, years ago. Mm-hmm. So this is quite recent. This is very recent. So the kidnappers decide to tie up Jennifer while they go look for Frank. Oh, so he's gone. He's still gone. He bolted. Oh, see ya. He's gone. So she has her hands tied behind her back and her feet tied together. Okay, so she's not running. She's not going anywhere. <laughs> not running. So they go off to look for Frank. While she's away, she manages to break free. Oh, who of is this her woman? Bindings. She's superwoman. I don't know what they used to tie her feet and hands together, but she was obviously able to break free. Was it shoelaces again? Uh, maybe. So she bolts and climbs up a twenty-foot tree, hiding in the branches for hours. Meanwhile. Frank, who was bolted, has escaped to a nearby garage, but the staff refuses to help him. Oh, so he actually made it back to civilization. He made it back to somewhere. I don't know. There was some garage nearby. I guess they're not too far out of there's a garage, but the staff refuses to help him. Hmm. They're like, we don't want to get involved. We don't know what's going on. You know. Not very helpful, is it? Not very helpful. Not very neighborly. No, no. Luckily, a police car pulls up. And Frank explains to the police what's going on. And, and the, the police, police is in on it. The poli- oh, my God. That's like a horror movie. Seriously. Oh, my and God. And the police person goes, yes, okay, jump in the back. And then he turns around and Frank realizes it's one of the kidnappers. That's that, a horror movie. That actually happened in a movie that I watched. It was like, I think it was like House of a Thousand Zombies or something. Something like that. And it was very scary. That happened at the end. Mm. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Sorry, guys. That's one less movie you need to watch in quarantine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm saving you time. Yeah. So he gets the cops to go back to where he thinks Jen is. He's not even sure if he's in the right area. He had a hood on his face. Mm. It's, you know, everything looks the same. Yeah, he would have remembered where he ran from, though. 
He probably has probably, a good like, idea, but like he rough. was probably disoriented and whatever. Yep. So they head back in the area. They head back down the dirt road and they start calling her name. She's still in the tree. She hears his voice. Do they know she's in the tree? No, they don't okay. know where. No, no, she. Nobody knows. She's okay, in the so tree. she ran off. She ran up the tree. It's not like she's hiding up there and then waiting at the bottom. No, no, no. Oh. It's not like the kidnappers are like at the bottom of the tree. Like, okay. Hey, get down. Well, that's probably a pretty good spot for her to be then, to be at the top of a tree just waiting it out. Definitely. I mean, you could stay up there for two days. Is that the amount of time you can stay in a tree? Yeah, usually after that, there's like uh, tree violations and then there's all kinds of... Uh, it's, it gets real messy. 48 hours is the longest stay you can have in a tree. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I mm. get that. So she hears him calling her name, but she's not sure if he has a gun to his head oh. and the kidnappers are with him or what's going on. Couldn't he call out and say, I'm with the police? I Which mean, is still yeah. like you could be forced to say that. Yeah, exactly. There's pretty much nothing he could say that would yeah, probably yeah. convince her. And that's, that's why it's good to have like a secret code. Oh, that's true. That's actually, we should do that. Where yeah. it's like. You could be like, like, Jen, Jen. And then you don't hear anything. And then you just go, banana hammock. And then next thing, Jen goes, crocodile slippers. And you're like, yes. <laughs> okay, those are our co- code words now. Banana hammock and crocodile slippers. Okay, so I call out banana banana hammock. Yeah. And you have to call back crocodile slippers. Okay. Right. What does it mean, though? It means you're safe. Okay. It means if I call out, I'm safe. If I call out banana hammock, it means I'm safe. And crocodile slippers. Because it means basically like I'm hanging out in a hammock. And mine is like I found a crocodile and I made slippers out of him. Yeah, so you like... You're safe now because the crocodile's not a threat. And my feet are warm. Yes. Please tell us what your safe word would be. It's your safe word. So she is like, I have to respond to him. You know, I have to. So she responds to to him and he finds her with the police and they're finally reunited. Wow. They're taken to the hospital. She has a broken nose. Oh, so they did like smash her up properly. Yeah, they punch her in the face. They broke her nose. And, you know, she has other injuries, but otherwise they're okay. And I don't think they ever found the kidnappers, but they they basically stayed in the hospital for a few days and then went home. And then they got married in November of that year in Miami. So they officially... They were like, we're done with Mexico. I don't know if they're Mexican-American or they just happen to speak Spanish, but they, yeah, they were like, we're not going to, we're not going to get married in Mexico. I mean, I think that's fair enough. I feel like if you were, if you had a very traumatic experience in a country, it's fair to say, like when people ask you what your least favorite country is, I think that you've got grounds to say Mexico. Now, Mexico, personally for us, is one of our favorite countries, but we've also never been kidnapped there. Yeah, that's true. They actually had a venue in Miami, and then Hurricane Irma came that year, and they had to cancel that venue. And then they finally found another venue and were able to get married there in November in Miami. Are they still married? I believe they're still married. They said that this brought them closer than ever, and it was, you know, that's a bonding experience, like almost dying together. Yeah, because it also kind of seems like the universe was trying to tell them not to get married. Mm, one would think that, but one no, that. they just had to push through and get through the challenges and get married. I mean, that is uh, that's travel, though. That is travel. That is travel. That is a not so bon voyage if I've ever heard one. Very not so bon And bon that is travel. I mean, traveling, you can't travel with everyone, and especially your significant other. And when you do, 
you can get put in situations, even just everyday situations. Not, not. I'm not talking about getting kidnapped. I'm talking about just a situation such as having to deal with frustrating bus schedules and getting up early, and you can get on each other's nerves, and that can bring you tra- closer together. Let alone the fact or that, or it you can su- tear you apart, or it can tear you <laughs> apart. Let alone the fact that you survive a crazy ordeal like that. Yeah, so luckily they were able to escape because who knows what would have happened otherwise. So shout out to Jennifer and Frank. Good on you guys. Very strong people, obviously. Very strong. We have been fortunate that we haven't had anything serious happen to us. We have been very fortunate. We haven't had any issues because this kind of thing could happen to anybody. They were It was daylight. They were driving from Mexico to Puebla. Two places from Mexico City to Puebla. We've been to both. Yep. We've, you know, it's not an uncommon route. I guess the biggest thing would be if you get rear-ended, wait to pull over when you're in a crowded area where other people can see you. Yeah, what's the travel takeaway from this? How does someone avoid this? What I'm was sure your recommendation? That I, I feel like this has definitely happened before where you get rear-ended and then you get kidnapped. It's probably a ploy, like one of those rackets. Yeah. They have a, oh, they definitely got rear-ended on purpose. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, but they. I feel like this is something that they were probably scoped out way before that. Probably. You know what I mean? Like they were probably scoped out maybe even as early as when they flew into Fair and they saw like into Mexico City and they saw who they were or where they came from. I feel like these cons start, it's like Taken. Mm. Everything is like the movie Taken. Everything roots back to Taken. Yes. It starts Liam Neeson. It starts in the airport where there's some little guy who does the, does the scout work. We should from, watch that movie. That's such a good movie. And then from then on, but no, seriously, it probably is. Like There's somebody at the airport and then follows them and then, and then he's like, can we share a cab? And mm-hmm. then... Next thing you know. But that that is scary. It probably was somebody who was in the vicinity of the rental car area. It was a U.S. rental car company. I'm not saying they're in on it or anything, but Mm. somebody who overheard and realized that these people are um, from the United States, but they speak Spanish. So it's probably the perfect combination because they could communicate with them. But also they, you know, assume that, you know, if they're from the United States, somebody will pay a large ransom for them. So they might have been, you know, on the lookout for that perfect couple. Mm. And there they were. I've never been that concerned about being taken kidnap. Um, (laughs) But it does make me think of just as a quick anecdote, as we wrap up this week's episode, it makes me think back to taking overnight buses in Columbia. Mm. Do you remember when that person, were you on the bus that time? I can't remember if this was I was with you or if I was by myself when the person came on with a video camera. N- no. no. Okay, so this was just me. Christine and I have spent many months traveling through Columbia uh, on different occasions. I've been there like three or four times, and so sometimes I can't remember. It's not a humble brag. Just sometimes I forget. You're so well-traveled. No, it's, we've been like three or four times over the last 10 years, so sometimes I forget which time was which. You know, okay. it happens. Anyway, so when I was first in Columbia in 2010, so this goes back 10 years ago, it was, first of all, it was way different than what it is now. Columbia now is a very, I mean, it was safe then as well, but Columbia now is a very safe, very popular tourist destination. It's a beautiful country. It's one of our favorite countries in South America, for sure. We love it there. We spend a lot of time there. And 
But they do have one of the largest, the longest civil wars between the government and paramilitary groups. And they have had a long history of people being abducted by mm-hmm. paramilitary groups who live in unreachable jungle and people being actually that's some probably some really good stories in that because I know of a couple of stories about people who were captured for years and then end up getting out. Like, that is crazy. Yeah, crazy stuff. So my first time in Columbia, I'm taking these long buses and I hear stories about times where because these bus because Columbia is a massive country and I was a budget backpacker, so I'm taking buses that are 12, 15 hours long from city to city. And a lot of these buses are going overnight because that's the best way. One, you travel during the night so you don't waste a day. And two, you don't have to pay for a night's accommodation. It's the perfect budget backpacker mindset. <laughs> so I'm taking these long buses going down from Cartagena all the way down into Ecuador. So I'm skipping from one city to the next city after spending time exploring. And I, I'd i heard about people, so buses basically would be driving through the middle of the night, two o'clock in the morning, and then there would just be a roadblock where they would stop the bus and then people would come on with guns and rob you or possibly abduct you. But they were, fa- they were phasing that out. They were phasing out the abductions. <laughs> But I was still a little bit paranoid. It was my first time in South America. Hadn't had a lot of experience backpacking in Latin America. And so one day, I think I was in Medellin, and I was going down to the next city to Cali, sitting on the bus waiting. I'm like one of the only tourists, the only gringos on the bus. I don't have a lot of equipment on me at the time. Like I didn't have a computer or things like that. And But um, you know, I'm sitting there, and I'm not super nervous, but this guy comes on with a video camera and he starts walking on, and he kind of looks a little shady and he comes on and he starts filming all the people and then he gets off the bus and he walks off and no one says anything and no one explains so it and then off away we go. And I'm left thinking, did I just get scouted by someone? Am I going to get stopped along the way and robbed? I was so not anxious, but just, I don't know, I was so confused and I, was, I had no idea what was going to happen. So we, we take off, we're driving through the night. Fair to say I had a restless shit night's sleep, mm. didn't sleep. I'm thinking the whole time about this guy that came on and filmed me, thinking that halfway along the trip someone's going to stop it and try and rob me. And we finally make it. I finally get the chance to ask somebody about it. And they said that that's actually part of the bus company. They film the bus to get everybody's face who's on the bus, so if anything happens, they have a visual record of who's on the bus. That's so crazy. And I'm thinking, hello, thanks for explaining it to me. (laughs) They definitely should have explained that because that's really creepy. Yeah, and just this guy just, it wasn't like it was a very official thing. It wasn't a guy in a uniform. It wasn't anything. This guy just slips onto the bus with a little hand cam, like a camcorder, (laughs) slips around, films everyone real quickly, ducks off, it all happened in about 15 seconds. If I wasn't looking or paying attention, I wouldn't have even seen it. And then I'm left thinking for the next 12 hours, I'm going to get robbed, I'm going to get robbed. I've got my passport down my pants, like sitting on it. Oh, my God. Doing all the tricks, trying to make sure that I've hidden my memory card in my sock and I've got my camera somewhere else. And yeah, that's my closest to being abducted, which it wasn't close at all. But <laughs> that well, I definitely would have been totally freaked out and convinced myself that I was going to get abducted and sold into some sort of sex ring. 
Yeah. Well, I'm glad you were safe. Yeah, I mean, I'm still here. I'm a survivor. <laughs> You're a survivor. Yeah. All right. Hey. Wrapping up. Yeah. Wrapping so, up. Uh, yeah, a little different this week. We just told one main story. We're just going to mix it up a little bit. We're going to see how it goes because we are doing an extra episode each week with our Voyager Chat series. So we're conscious of dragging on things, you know. If we've got a really good story, I think we're just going to do one main story a week. If we've got two shorter ones, maybe we'll, you know, we'll just dip in, we'll dip out. We'll also just take your feedback. Mm, if you like yeah. if you like the one story in detail a week, we'll do that. If you prefer to, we're at your we're at your use. Your beck and call. We're at your beck and call. Let us know. Let us know. Okay, guys, wrapping up this week's episode, we just want to remind you once again, Thursday is our Voyager Chat series. We have a long-term traveler, long-term travel blogger coming on the show to talk about his travels and also his personal journey and challenges with traveling with Lyme disease. It's very insightful. It's very interesting. There's a bit of personal development stuff in there. There's a bit of travel. It's very interesting. Yeah. It's gonna. It's a really good story. Really good episode. So make sure you tune in for that. Anything else before we head off? I think that's it. That's it. I'm hungry. Yep. I'm gonna go eat. That sounds like a great idea. Yeah. Alrighty, guys. Until we hear. Until you hear from us on Thursday. Stay safe on the road. And if you're not, make sure you tell us about it. Peace. Bye, bitches. <laughs>